Hello, this is Chris from We Hate Bards. I'd just like to thank you for listening to our podcast. And if you like what you hear, we have plenty of more podcast material on iTunes, or you can check our website at wehatebardspodcast.com. If you like what you hear, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. If you want to join any of our games, you can look us up on Meetup at We Hate Bards. Membership is always free, and we have games going pretty much all week. If you want to support us and throw a little coin our way, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash wehatebards. Backers will receive early release podcasts and custom content, including homebrew games, custom modules, and more. So thanks again for listening. And now, on to the podcast. You're listening to another fine We Hate Bards podcast. And today... It's just me, Chris, for another solo questing uh, RPG experience. Uh, and today we are going to be uh, looking into uh, a little RPG I found on the internet uh, through DriveThroughRPG.com called uh, Rhesus or Rhesus. I'm not sure how to how to pronounce it correctly. Uh, the Anything RPG. So <clears throat> here's a little uh, blurb from the front of the uh, little game system. So welcome to. Uh, Rises, the Anything RPG, a complete pen and paper role-playing game. For some, Rises is a handy emergency RPG for spur-of-the-moment one-shots and rapid care creation. For others, it's a reliable campaign system supporting years of play. For others still, it's a strange little pamphlet with stick figures. Yes, there's stick figures all over. That's the main art style. For me, it's all three. And with this edition, Rises celebrates not only two decades of existence, goodness, but two decades of life bolstered by an enthusiastic global community voted to expanding it, celebrating it, sharing it, and gaming with it. So yeah, this is uh, just a, hold on, it's a one, two, three, four page RPG system, um, and if you know anything about me, I kind of, um, this is a real kick of mine, these really small RPGs, which are just a couple of pages long, and really, I'm looking at it, and the total amount of uh, like actual RPG stuff is only three pages. The last page is just like kind of advanced uh, options, so it's only a really three pages RPG. So, uh, it's a really kind of a simple uh, system. So, uh, today what we're going to do is I'll explain the system a little bit, and then I have a, a, uh, a solo uh, play called Ring of Thieves uh, by S. John Ross, uh, which we'll be playing in a little bit. So, for, for character creation, what you do is it's based off a thing called you kind of create your main character or whoever it is. Um, in the example, they give uh, Golothnar Vansun the Viking. So you give a description of what he's like, you know, he's a big Viking, he likes to drink and fight, and then it's, you have something called cliches, which are the main uh, kind of mechanic of the game where you have different things. So for cliches, for the, uh, for the Viking, it's Viking 4, Gambler 3, Womanizer 2, and Poet 1. And each of these kind of represent a dice, and I've got some kind of dice right here. Um... And what they are is when you have to roll something, you basically roll that many dice. So, like, if you do something that's Vikinging, or you're something involved being a Viking, you roll four dice. If you are gambling or, or doing something where gambling, you roll three. If you are womanizing, you know, you roll two. And then you have something called powers, powers, tools, and power tools. Okay. So it looks like with each of the cliches, you have things associated with them you get for free. So like if you have, you know, a Viking, you probably have like a sword and maybe a boat and thick oh, excuse me, and things. Uh, but it looks like if you lose them, then you lose specific amount of dice from them. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. So also it looks like, 
the game system. So that's pretty simple. You basically have a numerical set. So you roll the amount of dice and try to exceed for however the difficulty number is. So 5 for super easy, 10 for difficult, 15 for super difficult, 20, and then 30. And then you kind of, you know, you win. And I, I took a look at this briefly uh, before starting. Uh, and it looks like how the combat system works is basically two people roll on opposing sides of their various dices, and these could be um, anything, basically. Not just martial combat, could be like, you know, social combat or horse racing, anything that's a kind of a conflict. And basically, whoever wins the, gets the total more dice, then the other person loses a dice. And then you roll again, and then you keep going until, like, there's no more dice left on the opposite side. If it's a physical fight, well, then the winner gets to choose what happens to the loser, like, murders them, or they lose the race, or or whatever. So, and that's pretty much what's going on. There's other rules for, like, teaming up and, like, uh, fighting monsters who are, like, multiple people and stuff. But, yeah, but that's pretty much the system. It's pretty simple and pretty, uh... uh easy which i really really enjoy because i really like systems where you can really get into like doing stuff kind of right away so i'll put this over here because this is the game manual and today we have uh the ring of thieves the fantasy solo adventure uh by s john ross i said earlier so it looks like we've already got a pre-generated character named lucas marks uh Let's give him a little thing here. So the description also. So with the Rice's system, everybody gets like a description on what their character is. So is a curly-haired, green-eyed halfling with a confident gaze and a boyish grin. Popular with the ladies despite his menued stature. Mmm. Lucas is a stubborn, gently sarcastic, fun-loving adventurer with a fondness for warm weather and thick ale. He's a thief but he gets his money through honest mercenary work when even possible. Oh, heart of gold thief. All right, so cliches are fun-loving mercenary three, halfling burglar four, Ladies' Man 2, Outrageous Storyteller 2. Okay, so the cliches, write those all down. Okay, good. Hook. Oh, and this is another one of the, you can give yourself a character a hook to give yourself more dice. That's like something bad that happens to you or something you're not good at. So his hook is, Lucas is rotten with anything mechanical. He operates at half dice when dealing with locks or traps. Okay, so, because normally in a uh, normal character creation, I believe it says you can get up to 10 dice, but uh, he's got a little bit more because he got that, that hook. So two the, uh, tools, he's got clothing, cash, short sword, a belt pouch, a gold coin enchanted to shine with light. Always good. Uh, a few meals worth of rations, uh, lockpicks. Okay. Lucas's luck. Okay, this is another thing. You can, you can also buy lucky shots. So Lucas is a standard 10 rice character with two extra dice for having a hook and a tail. Mm-hmm. Uh, he spent one of his extras increasing the ladies' man cliche from one to two. Ooh. But he spent the other dice to buy three lucky shots. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, so basically the lucky shots allow me to uh, add an extra dice when rolling on basically anything. But they, once you roll, it's, it's gone. It's gone away. So I have three of them, and once they're gone, they're gone. Um, I think they reset between adventures. I think I was reading in the actual manual, but uh, since this is like a one-shot, then I don't think they'll be resetting. So we can customize Lucas, but eh, we're not going to do that today. We're just going to keep Lucas as he is. Lucas Marks, the fun-loving halfling. All right, fun-loving halfling on top. Okay, so Lucas Marks. All right, and I got my drink. I got my coffee. And now let's go to the start of this thing uh, to read kind of Lucas's tale. All right. Ooh, this is, a, this is a bit of a long intro. All right, <laughs> let me get a little bit of coffee here. Mm. 
That hits the spot. Okay. Start off. Lucas's tale. In Ring of Thieves, you control the destiny of Lucas Marks, your young halfling rogue, mercenary, and partner in crime with Patricia Meadows. Ooh, a 22-year-old human adventuress. Ooh, you and Lucas and Patricia. Uh, uh, you are Lucas, and Patricia is your partner. Oh, but can we be more? The two of you have been together for about three years, and you've seen the strangest corners of the world. Your unlikely association began in the city of Chamlek. Uh, when you both, you know, I'm gonna write that down. Chamlek, just because I don't know if that'll come in handy later. Uh. Chamlek, when you tried to pick one another's pockets in the streets, after some embarrassing laughter, the most important friendship of your life began. With each passing season, your friendship grows stronger, a relationship built on mutual admiration. Okay? Uh, our story finds you both in the great northern city of Holtog, in the midst of a cruel winter. You arrived just a week ago, seeking a new source of revenue and shelter from the blizzard. Here in the mighty river city, unfortunately... You found only uncaring crowds, cold winds, and tireless presence of the merchant's oligarchy's finest lawmen until yesterday. When pursuing uh, the dockside curiosity shop for foreign tidbits, you were ambushed. Five men dressed in identical gray cloaks and wielding long knives, demanding money and jewelry. You were prepared to run for it, to lose them in the twisting alleyways, but Patricia was in a testy mood. Her short sword leapt from its scabbard like vengeful lightning, and two gray cloaks were bleeding and screaming before the others could react. The grim melee that followed was a good deal less than clean, but no less decisive. Two more gray suits down, one by your blade and the other by Patricia's, with the last one running for dear life. You're not sure if it's safe to say that you love Patricia. Oh, you totally do. Uh, you certainly do. You're just not that sure if it's safe to say it. Ooh. All right. Ooh, setting it up. You gathered their purses and vacated the alley, making a celebratory supper at the Cup and Talon, a small, uh holstery in the northern canal district when you examined your spoils you were shocked to find a magical ring amid the coins a simple band of brass gleaming with purple radiance Ooh. clearly the gray suits have been very greedy to go for a second job in a single day especially if it's such a rich haul but their loss was your gain with a coin coin had spent on your feast in a bed for the night and the ring tucked in the side pocket of your shoe you settled in the bed with patricia for a well-deserved rest after grumbly fighting over the covers, sleep finally comes, and the icy, river-scented air creeps in past the shutters. As the adventure begins, it's the following morning. When you're ready to play, begin at section number one. Let's begin. Okay, section one. All right, this is like 130-something things. This is a pretty large uh, one with various things. And also, also, mm, unlike the Tunnel and Trolls thing, which were just slice-and-dice murder things when... Yeah, we don't want to talk about the death of Grulu. But unlike this, it said there's multiple ways to get through this scenario. And it's not just the, like, you have one specific way, and if you don't make this way, you're done. So I'm hoping that it'll be a little bit more interesting. All right, so number one. Upon awaking, the first thing you notice is the open window of your room. The shutters creak slightly, swinging listlessly in the dawn, and the icy breeze raises goosebumps on your skin. Outside, a flu lonely snowflake drifts silently over the rooftops. The second thing you notice is Patricia is gone. Her side of the bed is empty, and you know you didn't go to sleep with the window open. You sit upright in surprise and meet the wave of nausea. You collapse, straining your breath. Back into your pillow, the bed is empty. Patricia is gone. Your head hurts. The window is open. You're having the worst hangover of your life, but you didn't touch more than a single flagon last night. Very little is making sense. And Patricia never gets up before a midday unless you make her. You're genuinely worried. She got in sources of mischief... 
If you fight, you make your sense of the uh, the world through his wall of pain. Roll against your ladies' man or fun-loving mercenary cliche to fight off the effects of your hangover. The difficulty for either cliche is 10. If you can see, go to 8 if you fail 20. So, uh, fun-loving mercenary or ladies' man. Uh, uh, we're going to go with uh, fun-loving fun mercenary just because it's uh, 3. So, I mean, you, you know you didn't... Lucas didn't have that much to drink. I mean, you know, he can't have a hangover after just one flagon. What would the people think? And I got 11. Woo! That was close. All right. So, uh, if you succeed, go to 8. Okay. So, go down to 8. With a Herculean effort, you shake free of the fog of sleep and nausea. You stand uneasily and feel as though your room itself is buckling angrily beneath your feet. Ooh. You try to make out the details, and your eyes catch... A small piece of paper on the windowsill. Ooh, the plot thickens. The paper is ready to fall, tipping in the breeze. It bumps along the sill and sails into the air, heading right for the whole tall rooftops. Roll against either a halfling burglar or fun-loving mercenary, Cleese. Difficulty 20 in each case to snag the paper quickly. If you succeed, go to page 34. If you fail, go to 51. Um, I am going to... I am going to roll against my fun-loving... Uh, Fun-loving, or I'm, I'm, I'm going to roll against the, oh, thank you for letting me know that uh, my virus protection is up-to-date, computer. Uh, now, I'm going to roll against the halfling burglar, because obviously something that's I'm going to be burgling, and I'm going to, I'm going to save my lucky shots. I was thinking about using it this time, but I'm going to save it. So I got to give up a 20. I didn't do it. All right, so if you fail, go to 51. All right, so we got to go to 51. You dive for the paper, but it sails just beyond your reach. Out over the city, your head throbs as pain as you hang off the over the alleyway, your stomach resting on the sill. You curse your lack of speed as you watch the note flip playfully away from amid falling snow. If you want to follow and try to catch up, go to 9. If the paper go to page 68, we're going to follow it. It's our only clue so far, so we're going to follow and go to 9. Clutching your nightshirt in one hand and steadying yourself with the other, you climb through the window and onto the roof of the inn, nearly slipping on the thin coating of ice. Even the leather soles of your shoes combined with the equally leather soles of your feet aren't protecting you from the intense cold. You feel your toes going numb. The note, meanwhile, has sailed over to the next rooftop and rests on the edge of the smoking chimney. You have to jump for it. If you decide to risk it, go to page 68. If you if you want to go for the note, go to page... If you decide not to risk it, go to page 68. If you want to go for the note, go to page 82. Oh, we're going for the note. We're going for the note. There's no way. Uh, you steady yourself for the jump, but this isn't the sort of thing you're you're used to. Uh, you're more like an explorer than a second story man. Patricia likes rooftops, but you always prefer uh, burglaries closer to the ground. And the alleyway looks hard. A stray cat shivering and dusted with snow looks up at you with interest and sniffs the air. You're suddenly very aware of how short your legs are. Roll against either your halfling burglary, difficulty 10, or fun-loving mercy, difficulty 15, cliche to make a strong jump. If you fail, go to 101. We don't want to fail this. If you see, go to page 93. All right, so uh, we're going to go for halfling burglar um, and try it. we got to give above a 10, so. Oh, easy. So I got uh, 14. So, uh... If you succeed, go to page 93. All right, so we'll make a jump. Jump! You hold your breath, crouch, and leap, reflecting for an instant that halflings in the hole are not good jumpers. <laughs> the icy wood beneath you blends in a whirl with the gray alleyway, the falling snow, and the pale light of the morning. You slam against your goal like a sack of salt and grip into your life. The fingers tighten as you grasp the icy tiles. A moment passing and the world stops spinning. You lift your ahead to find the paper still rests in the chimney. You reach forward, grab it, and read. The ring is ours. We'll be back tomorrow to take it. 
If you cooperate, the woman might live. W. Greg, Guildmaster. Oh, he's dead. Oh, he's a dead man. Guildmaster? Holthog has never had a real has never uh, had a real thieves guild that you know of. A few scattered mobs here and there, of course, but the local law is tough on attempts to really organize. That's why you've been operating elsewhere when you bother to actually steal for a living. You read the note a few more times. You aren't about to just sit around and trust these guys. You make your way back across, much, much slower this time, and re-enter the room shivering. Go to page 68. The room is a wreck. Debris is scattered everywhere. Clothing, belts, pouches, and all of your professional gear. The place has been ransacked. Now you're really worried. Ooh. Okay. Go to page 21. Trembling in the cold air, you shake off the last of the strange sickness and search your room more closely. Under the bed, you find a tiny glass vial. It's empty, but traces of yellow fluid still lie in it. You retrieve it gently and sniff. Dear God, the stench is overpowering, and you feel the, your mind filling with sticky cotton and your stomach convulsing with fresh nausea. You rear back and run to the window, taking painful gulps of fresh cold air. Certainly, this is how this was all done without waking you or arousing Patricia's vengeance. Alchemy. You tip the bottle gently on its side, and the, uh, and the last of vapors escape. Whoever did this was careless. They left the label on it. reads, Grimoire's Apothecary Potion House, number 15, short alley. Price is reasonable, safety assured. You sigh at the irony of the last line. It certainly wasn't safe for you or Patricia. You feel your heart clenched with fear and for well-being. If, you, if you've read the note on the windowsill, go to page 52. If you haven't, go to page 35. Oh, we've read it. We're going to page 52. Okay. And we are, man, we're going to kill that guy. There is no doubt about it. I am going to push him down a well and seal the top over. Oh, that's good coffee. All right. So, so read it. We go to page 52. Okay. You prop yourself against the bed and loose your left shoe. The ring falls to the floor and you retrieve it. Is a strange gleam is still apparent, but offers no clues to his nature. Obviously, they wreck the room searching for it. And when they didn't find it, they decided to kidnap one thief and scare the other into giving it up for ransom. You wonder for a moment why they chose to steal your partner instead of you, and then regret the thought. A bunch of cutthroat bastards would certainly prefer the company of a drug Patricia to a drug Lucas. You have no trouble giving up on some absurd trinket, no matter how valuable Patricia's safety. But you're not so stupid as to trust this scum. You look back over the note. If these gills of some sort really has been formed they have to have some way to be contacted uh, you can use that to pin them go to page 69 all right one last look around the room time to go you gather up your important gear and leave the rest note this is the equipment list with your character description okay got the rest you're surprised to discover that despite making a mess the thieves left all of your belongings and patricia's you grab her short sword and belt it on uh, add this to your list too uh, and you'll probably need it before this is over okay got your short sword uh, now, how to pursue them. Uh, it certainly looks like they might have come in through the window. You could go out and scout for trail, go to page 22, or you could head down to the tavern and ask for leads. We're going to go to the tavern and ask for leads, because we're not going back in the window. That was a big mistake. Uh, I remember that, and that was cold, and I almost fell to my death. Shouldering your gear comfortably, you head down the stairs in a noisy crowd of the cup and talent. The place has been well cleaned since the revelry of previous night, and the customers are noisily engaging in some serious breakfast. The crowds consist mostly of sailors and craftsmen. Most other folk are either fast asleep or already working. You peer upwards at the many bleary faces and wonder if any of them could offer you assistance in finding the men in the gray suits. Hmm. You dodge nimbly to avoid being tossed underfoot by oblivious humans. You need to find someone that might know something about the new thieves' guild. 
Searching intently through the taller forms around you, you find three people that might have some use. An old sailor running a game of fortune on the center table, a fellow halfling sitting at a bar still counting money, and a tall man in gray robes sitting alone by the windows. Okay, uh, let's go talk to the small man, the guy in the gray robes. Uh, go to page 71, because uh, he looks like a crook. It's common knowledge among adventurers that those with knowledge sit in taverns alone, usually with cows over their heads and deep, mysterious voices. It's as certain as rain falling downwards. Yeah. Uh, and this one is wearing gray robes. You decide to exercise a little extra caution. You've encountered more dangerous coincidences before. You go first to the bar and order a mug of small beer, cursing the tavern for keeping uh, for resetting a halfling slur at your request. You pay the offending man, and armed with a beverage in a mild desperation, you wedge through the crowd and plop down at the table with a tall, robed fellow. Who, as it turns out, isn't a fellow at all. It's a woman, and she's very obviously blind. You blink in response. Her cowl hides her features, as did the glare from the open window. She turns to face you, sensing your presence. Hello. You rethink your options. The only information you have about the thieves is the description. What could a blind woman know? If you wish to apologize and excuse yourself, go to page ninety-five. If you take this option that this did not count as a, uh, that this did not count as a visit, you may still speak to the, both the halfling and the sailor. If you haven't already, if you wish to speak to her, anyway, go to page one hundred three. Well, we're in too deep now. You don't want to seem like a jerk. Let's talk to her. Hello, you say, smiling, and she smiles as well. You introduce each other. She is Myra. Okay, card down. Myra blind okay and she's a potter who operates a shop down the street from here oh she's also a potter okay okay she sits by the window because she can feel the light you decide that you have nothing to lose by telling her who you are looking for and surprisingly she has an answer the men you speak of are in fact organizing a ring to eventually make a guild for the city why do you wish to contact them Hmm, there is more to this woman than meets the eye. You could lie to her and say that you are interested in joining the ring as an operative, or you could tell her the truth. Um, oh, that's, that's good. Uh, I think we're going to tell her the truth. I think, uh, we're going to tell her the truth of what's going on. Uh, because you're a fun-loving halfing. You're not big on, like, being a liar and, uh, uh, you know, uh, a kind of a jerk. So let's, uh, you're not, you're not that kind of, that kind of thief, I don't think. At least Lucas is not in this story. You explain without revealing too much the details that they have wronged you and that you seek to undo the wrong, peacefully if possible. Myra thinks about nods. I would very much like to see you succeed. Then go, go to the Iron Keel on the Quayside Road, near the docks, and ask for the, bar, ask the barkeep to see William. The password to the lamp door is Bokoro. Okay, Bokoro. This will get you into their secret reading place. You beam with joy, the den of thieves. And Myra says tensely, be prepared for anything. You nod, uh, petting the blade at your side, and thank her. Go to page 95. Okay, 95. Doo -doo -doo -doo. You wander through the tavern some more and look about. If you have already visited with two people, then you can then, then you have taken a great deal of time and you, and you can you continue to search. Go to page 56. If, however, you've only visited one, you can spare the time for a second if you wish. If you wish to speak with the sailor, go to 55. If you wish to approach the halfling, go to page 37. Whoop, 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 hold on. 37. Da, 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 da. Oh, I lost my place here. Oh no. Oh no. 
Oh, I hit the button. I'm actually using this on a, a, a computer, so I actually hit the button and I lost my place here uh, for just a second and make sure that I can get it. Okay, yeah, back to 95. Okay, good. I'm back. So, so we can either go visit the sailor, we can go talk to the halfling, or we can go to the speak, go to speak to the Grey Road gentleman, which we already did, so we don't need to do that. So what I'm thinking is, we do have a little more time. Uh, let's go talk to the halfling at page 37. Uh, so, there's nothing like one of your own to converse with the city of strangers. And this fellow looks like a gentleman adventurer as well. You have everything in common. Then you approach and wish you hadn't. Lucas, the halfling says, pocketing his gold and turning to you with a wide toothy grin. Lucas, my old chum, my comrade, my lifelong friend, how are you? He lets his smile fall a notch. Why are you here, lifelong friend? You manage a stiff grin. It's been a long dream of yours to punch this f this fellow hard in the mouth. You smile as sourly at the all-too-familiar gestures of Jophus Kettlebrog, a competitor from Bastaga. You believe that you lost him at uh, at your and Patricia's last uh, venture near uh, Castaban. Joseph, are you really following me, or do you just th do you think alike? You didn't bother uh, masking your sarcasm. Joseph is unperturbed. I guess the same of you, friend Lucas. I remember just a season ago in the lands of the West. Castaban, wasn't it? When Patricia and yourself tried to take what was my own legitimate find in the caves in Mount Kajor. You haven't had the time to argue. It's impossible that he would have uh, anything useful to tell you. You attempt to dis uh, distangle yourself, but Joseph won't quit. And where's Patricia, your loving, if gigantic partner? Angry now, you turn slowly and say, Just fine, thanks, and disappear into the crowd as Joseph lets out a defended, Hmm! Oh, what a jerk. Ugh. Well, good thing we got rid of that guy. You wander through the tavern more. And okay, so we want to tavern more. Da, 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 da. Uh, so, uh, deal time. So, we don't have much more time. So, we go to page 56. We already talked to two people. I should talk to the sailor. Okay. That's what I, that's what I, that's what I get for trying to go, go the easy route. Okay. You brace yourself for the cold winter air, walking towards the tavern door. But a voice uh, beneath you stops you in your tracks. Halfling, you whirl around. Hands the hilt to your sword. No one is there, uh, and a few of the tavern's patrons give you a disgusting look. The voice, which is very loud, seems to have gone completely unnoticed. The back of your neck tingles with fear. Madness? Delusion? Sorcery? Whenever put to the test, you are inclined to blame the latter first. But who would cast such a spell to annoy you? Lucas! The voice is returned, looking downward. You see that the ring in your pocket is shining with a sickly purple radiance. Oh no, it talks! So bright that it's shining through the cloth of your pocket. Quickly covering with the light of your hand, you open the door and step into the street. Slipping briefly on the ice, you hurry into a nearby alley and examine the problem in private. Safe in the shadows, you move the ring from your pocket and hold it below you. The ring glows, and standing on its metal surface is a tiny winged creature formed of an ugly purple light. It has both hands on its hips and is staring you with white, impatient eyes. What are you? he demanded in a whisper. I am Zim, the spirit which dwells in this ring, the creature says, bowing. I am the most powerful of the ring spirits and the protectors of any who possess the ring. I am the sworn foe of the Red Dingy. It finishes with another bow and flourishes its tiny arms. You stare at the miniature creature in wonderment. This is no doubt was why the gray suit men were so keen in getting the ring back. This is something powerful. Zim's eyes flare green for an instant. Put me on your finger. You know better than to deal so hastily with unknown sorceries. You shake your head. It wouldn't be very smart to try and sneak around with a glowing ring on my finger, you point out. The ring stops glowing. Zim grins. No, you say? I can't trust you. Then I, says the spirit icily, cannot protect you. 
I've done this so far. Ooh, what do you mean? I know of your goals, Zim says, smiling peacefully. I know about Patricia. I know about your feelings for her. <gasps> How dare you, Ring? You count softly to three. Patricia and I are partners, and the very best of friends. That, I can assure you, is all. Oh my goodness, he's got a thing for her. Uh, Zim nods knowingly. I can change that, Lucas. You know you want me to. Oh, no. Uh-oh. I don't like... Okay, so first off, as a GM, I've given many people um, items of power, especially items of power that contain wishes. And the first thing that I know is that I am just waiting for them to uh, make a wish or do something so that I can horribly pervert it and cause all sorts of problems. So we are not going to do that. You shove the ring into your pocket, disgusted, and the light blinks out with a foul, manipulative little creature. You have to rescue your partner. Go to page 115. Oh, no, there's no, there is no way, unless, like, we're in life or situation, we'll put on that ring. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Nope, 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 nope. You reflect on this revelation. The gray suit thieves are apparently dealing with some form of black magic. A chill runs down your spine, unrelated to the cold air the shadows of the alleyway. The ring is a serpent of some kind. But what are the red, uh, dingy? Or the red, uh... Uh, the red gin, uh, gin. Ah, you know what I, I it said dingy earlier but it's, it's gin ugh ugh I should know how to pronounce that by now uh, that is mentioned you pull the trinket again from your pocket but the glow is faded no tiny spirit manifests itself you return to your place and examine your options your primary leads to uh, Grim Ray the alchemist who made the knockout gas however if you receive any information about the goings on at the docks or quarry side uh, they provide a second option. If you follow the Alchemist League, go to 25. If you have information leading to the docks and refer to this path, go to page 3. We're going to the docks. That's where they're at. We're going to the docks. So, uh, the Hultog uh, uh, docks are busy day and night, even now, in the midst of one of the cruelest winters in years. Sailors and merchants busying themselves amidst the snowdrifts. Merchants from far as the cha uh, Chasm Sea and the southern reaches of... Tolerall crowded around the quarry side to sell and buy, hanging with warehouse owners and tax officials of the oligarchs. The ice on the cobbles is already melted by the passive feet, or, san or, or sanded over by the merchants and tavern keepers. The mass of humans and otherwise swirls about you in a busy cloud of white breath and shouting voices. The crates and barrels from miniature cities. Oh, the the crates and barrels from miniature cities unto them. Hold on. The crates and barrels form. Not from form miniature cities amongst themselves, and you twist between them to avoid uh, being overtaken by the uh, the throng. If you learn the name of the dock to visit, you can go to page twenty four. If you learn the name of the tavern to check out, go to page thirty nine. Uh, if you have neither leads, you are wandering aimlessly on the docks, and you must go to the alchemist instead. So we have learned uh, uh, the, the go go to the the tavern. So because we remember that that's where they meet. So okay. Quarryside Street, you know, starts halfway across part of the city, and you quickly abandon the crowded docks to the quick and private passage of the alleyways and back streets of Holtog. You run half skiddingly while the patches of ice leaping over stray cats and frozen laundry. And then you notice uh, that you're being followed. You nearly hit yourself for stupidity. Naturally, the gray suits would have left men to watch you from the tavern. They wouldn't trust you any more than you would trust them, especially if they believed you might intend to keep the ring and abandon your partner. You feel like in the moment, and in matters of honor, People tend to assume their own examples in others. Hmm. The pursuers are definitely gray suits. And you zigzag and dodge through the alleys and attempt to lose them, but they're persistent and won't be lost easily. If you want to confront your pursuers, go to page 57. If you keep heading to the Iron Keel, uh, go to page 96. Uh, we're going to confront them. 
We're going to confront these guys. Okay. It's better to take the cutthroats on in your own time than wait for them to toss a knife to your back. And if that would happen, they'd have the ring and no reason to let Patricia live. To avoid possibly interfering with city patrols, you change course in an empty, narrow alleyway. Two turns in the nearest major street, and then you draw your sword sword and wait. They obliged you quickly, slipping down from the shadows with gleaming knives. They look like they really enjoy their work. You are in deadly combat. Since you are in a narrow alleyway, you can prevent your opponents from flanking or teaming while you have plenty of room to dance around. Fight them one at a time in order unless you're fun unless uh, uh, one at a time in order using your fun-loving mercenary cliche. If you if your cliche drops to zero dice, go to page eighty five. Defeat them, go to page seventy four. If any time you decide to run for it, go to page twenty nine. Okay, so we gotta beat the first thug. He's got three dice. I've got four dice in my oh no, oh we're at three. Okay. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna burn a point of luck here. I'm gonna move my lucky shots. So I got two left. I'm gonna roll four dice. Not great. Okay, so eleven. Uh, 14, 15, he's got 3. Ooh, 12. Alright, so he goes down to 2, and then I get 3 dice. Okay, that's good. Alright, he goes down to 1 dice. 3 dice. And he's down. And I shank him. You know, with my short sword. Get this other guy. Uh, that is, I got 12, and he gets 6, so he loses the dice. Roll again. Uh, I got nine, he got four, so I shank them, uh, you know, dance around and give them a little stick, 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 stick. All right, so uh, if you defeat them, go to page 74. Oh, I did, handily. You fought much tougher thugs in your day, and the restrictive alleyways was your winning advantage. If you want, you may take their daggers, they had nothing else of real value, and and had one blade each. Your anger subsides, you head off through the, uh, the side streets for the iron keel knowing at least that you will not be molested on the way. All right, so we got two daggers. So two daggers. Done. All right, go to page 105. All right, let's head to 105. All right, you head off in the direction of the Iron Keel. The gray suits are playing serious hardball. Now they wanted to kill you and get the ring back. They're not just thieves. You rather like honest thieves. They're murderers. Well, they can have their foul trinket. You just want your partner. Stomping angry through the alleyway, you pull the offending piece of ensorcery jewelry from your pocket. Lucas, says Zim, rising from the ring and tapping a perpetual foot on the brassy skin of its home. Be reasonable. I, don't want to, I do not want to be returned to the hands of those men. That's a laugh. You're just as evil as they, you say, getting ready to thrust the ring back in your pocket. No, Lucas, Zim says. I'm sorry for my earlier words, the spirit says, in tiny hands, palm forward, an apologetic gesture. But I sought to control you in order to return to the thieves and wipe out the red djinn. In its voice booms with uh, less strength than before. I don't trust you. You're a magic ring. The red djinn again. Tell me about it, you say, propping the rest against a nearby wall. But make it quick. I have a partner to rescue. I was originally the property of a powerful Nalish sorcerer, it begins, and winks. One very close to his imperial majesty, Vestilis IV. I was stolen by my kind and the foes of the Red Jinn. They're terrible, deadly spirits, powerful and corrupt. Indeed, Zim admits. We are by no means pure ourselves, but we are exist to keep the Jinn in check. That is the truth. How does, a, how does a ring of thieves come into this? The thieves have a sorcerer in their employ, who has summoned up a Red Jinn to serve them. It with considerable power. They're using it to control the minds of important men, Zim whispers, emphasizing the word important. Little spirit narrows his white eyes. 
they're losing control of it. They killed my master and took me on the advice of the sorcerer in order to have a metaphorical dagger to keep me at the throat of the red djinn. You think about this. You've heard of Stranger Things, and it makes sense in a twisted sort of way. But you aren't about to wear a ring that has admitted that it wanted to control you. Zim watches you thinking and speaks. I understand, Lucas, he says, hanging his head. I regret my former haste. But you're a person of considerable resources. I think we can get us to our goal on... I think you can get us to your goal on your own. A thought strikes Zim, which brightens visibly. We will work together, but independently of each other's control. As partners, I suppose. I've got one, you say bitterly. If you need my help, you may summon me, Zim says, ignoring you with a casual wave of a tiny hand. You pocket the ring and silence continue. If you just left a uh, good in a pocket shop, go to 27. If not, go to page 4. Okay, we didn't leave the pocket shop. Go to page 4. <laughs> the tavern that Iron Keel sits on the street corner, commanding a good view of both the adjacent streets and the river harbor. You approach the door and grab the cold latch. With a disgusting flapping of wings uh, sounds on behind you, a large river gull, gray with blue tips on its wing, lands on a nearby post and stares intently into your eyes. You wave it to go away. It seems like you watch her even more closely. The birds of the city are tame, but this is in, in the middle of winter and snow is falling. This gull, it should be here at all, in doubt it. Should certainly be nested. If you ignore the bird, enter the tavern, go to 59. If you swat it with a sword to chase it off, go to page 26. Um, and we got things to do. We gotta get inside the tavern. So, uh, you pull the heavy latch and release the muted noise and smell the iron keel. A wall of heat washes over you. You loosen your coat for comfort. The place is horrid. Cheap food and drink is spilled carelessly on the tables, the floor uh, of many patron, uh, and many of the patrons. The walls are splintered, nicked, and burned in many places, apparently by a long series of fights or possibly minor wars. The customers are up in the very worst of humanity, drunk and bellowing. They are generally offensive and equally drunken and toothless. Uh, <laughs> and an equally drunken and toothless barmaid seems to be uh, in a daze as she pinched and fondled by one of the foul clientele. Ugh. The that's, a, that's a grim picture. The tavern keeps stands alone behind the bar. A great brawny fellow, scarred and tattooed beyond racial distinction. You approach the bar and pressed him with your problem. If you know what to ask for, then go immediately to 15. If you just ask the barkeep, you meet the great cloak man, go to page 41. I know I know the, the password. When you approach uh, uh, the barkeep and notice his tattoos are actually stains. You take a deep breath, instantly regret it, and take a seat at the bar, smiling, frozen, and slightly ill smile. What, he says, rubbing a glass clean, what looks like uh, some species of footgear. You ask to speak to William. Oh, said the man. Sure. Go in the back room and knock on the panel with a light on it. The door will open up and you can go right in. Don't forget to use a password. <laughs> it's it's really spelled out like that. Like he's like it's from like the deep south. Uh, you nod and toss the man a coin for his trouble. Go to page 13. You press your way toward the back room, fending off the advance of a drunken woman as you do. Don't touch. You pass under a heavy dividing curtain and find yourself in a room much darker and quieter than the main feasting hall. Several men, all wearing gray cloaks, are here playing dice. Uh-oh. Things just got serious. Um, your blood freezes. Everything in the eye room turns toward you. Luckily, you are not, a, not a single one shows any sign of recognition. They return to their games and plotting. You drive with purpose toward the the, uh, the end of the room with the large lamp affixed to the wall. You rap sharply on the board, squinting in the blinding glare of the lamp. The panel swings open. A hand grabs you, yanking you into pitch darkness. Go to page 76. Ugh. You're... <coughs> Ooh. 
the hiccups, excuse me. You're blinded by the, I'm, oh, better get a drink. I've had a really bad case of the hiccups the past couple days, so I want to make sure that I'm not hiccuping through the rest of this game here. Mm. Okay. You're blinded by the sudden lack of light. You feel yourself being drawn and held tight by a large man, and a knife is placed at your throat. A harsh voice hisses at you. Password. You search your memory. If you say Notori, go to page 87. You say Rakavra, go to page 90. If the password is Bokaru, which I have that written down, go to page 61. Oh, I hope she I hope she told me that. The Oh no, the knife flashed across your throat before you had a chance to react. Your hopes every superstition are gone. You're no longer among the living. Oh no, that was the password she gave me. She lied to me. Oh, she lied to me. Myra the Blind lied to me and it got me killed. Oh, that... That lady! That lady! That lady! Oh, oh, dang it. So, so lives Lucas. Oh, that's rough. That's rough. She, oh, that's, that's good though. I like that. I like how it's like, oh, we'll give you this, we'll give you this password. That's totally the way to get it. And then you get there and it's like, oh, by the way, you were tricked and lied to. <laughs> okay. So that's, uh, th that's it for, uh, this. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go through it again. So maybe I'll go through it on my own and see if I can't uh, beat this or find out the mystery of like what's going on in the, uh, uh, the Ring of Thieves. But yeah, that's the Ring of Thieves, uh, for Rises the Adventure or Anything RPG by S. John Ross. Uh, I did like this. It has a lot of uh, information and like world building and going here and doing stuff instead of just like, oh, you enter this room. Where do you want to go next? There's something here. Look at this thing. Roll this. And yeah, I kind of, this is what, this is one of my uh, more favorite of. Uh, kind of choose your own adventure type of, of games that I've uh, played so far. Also, you know, uh, not a lot on the, uh, Oh my goodness! What was that game? Airax? I don't. I I haven't posted it yet, but it's just like dice rolling forever and ever and ever for like half an hour. And this is a lot more story based. Uh, a lot more. Use a little bit of dice rolling, a little bit of doing stuff. Yeah, but I definitely like the system, Rises. It's super easy to make uh, a character for, uh, and so you could, you know, pretty much do whatever you want with it. I do like this little uh, thing. I'm going to see maybe if I can't get some more of these. Although I think this was the only one they kind of made for the system. Because I think it was kind of a promotion with the other kind of, you know, you could check out the system, check out the game, how it works. On and on and on. Okay, so that, that's what I think of this. So, so yeah, that was uh, Rises the RPG, Ring of Thieves, Soul Adventure with Lucas Marks, who is now, let me write this out, dead. Because he got his throat slit. Because he wasn't smart enough to know that you shouldn't trust uh, a blind lady in a gray cloak. All right. <laughs> All right. So you've been listening to the Fine <laughs> We Hate Bars podcast. Never trust blind women in gray cloaks who pretend to be potters. <laughs>